They say life is stranger than fiction. And so every water molecule in your glass of water or your cup of coffee right now is doing that water dance all the time. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Or could it? And so I would have to take everything. I would have to take all of your vibrational energy, your translational energy, and all the rotational energy and all the particles in your system as well. Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact. I'm Brian Crump, and this is a podcast where we take science fiction's strangest ideas, weirdest elements, most unfeasible plot drivers, and explore if they could actually happen in real life. Maybe they already have. And in every episode, we bring in a scientist from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute to explain the theories behind some of fiction's more fantastic flights of fancy. If any theory exists. We're in the Pixar universe, specifically the movie The Incredibles, a happy family of mostly functional superheroes, mum, dad, um, boy and a girl. I can't remember whether they had a superhero pet or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if I did. And one of the plot drivers, Zero Point Energy. Buddy? My name is not Buddy! <clears throat> and it's not Incrediboy either! That ship has sailed! All I wanted was to help you. I only wanted to help! And what did you say to me? Fly home, buddy. I work alone. It tore me apart. But I learned an important lesson. You can't count on anyone, especially your heroes. I was wrong to treat you that way. I'm sorry. See? Now you respect me, because I'm a threat. That's the way it works. Turns out there are a lot of people, whole countries, who want respect. And they will pay through the nose to get it. How do you think I got rich? I invented weapons. And now I have a weapon that only I can defeat. And when I unleash it, I'll get... <laughs> You sly dog! You got me monologuing! I can't believe it! It's cool, huh? Zero point energy. Am I good enough now? Who's super now? And here to, um, to tell us whether that is in any way possible is Professor Katha Simpson. She's Emeritus Investigator with the McDiamond Institute and a Physics Professor at the University of Auckland. And she joins me now. Kia ora, Kaitha. Welcome back to uh, Sci-Fi Sci-Fact. Kia ora, Brian. The Incredibles. Now, there's been more than one, hasn't there? Yes, there's been more than one. Um, but the first one, I think, uh, is my favourite. It's the best. And they don't have a pet, but they do have a baby, Jack-Jack. And Jack-Jack has superpowers? Must have superpowers. I don't want to give any spoilers. Away. Okay, right. That's that's all we need to know. That's all. We need. There's been more, and there's been more than one. And I, I'm pretty sure I've watched most of the first one with my son. Um, and there, there's some kind of island where they're trying to rest um, good against evil, but I can't remember much more than that. I can't remember what gave them their superpowers. Is that where Zero Point Energy comes in? Ah, no, Zero Point Energy comes in uh, through the bad guy, the villain, whose name is Syndrome. Uh, he has an, an awesome hairdo. Um, he's a kind of superhero wannabe, and as part of his... Um, trying to become a superhero, he invents a whole bunch of things. So he invents artificial intelligence and um, and uses zero point energy as a as a kind of freezing weapon to freeze the Incredibles. 
The Incredibles is actually set slightly in the past, isn't it? But an alternative past? It's an alternative past. And I guess um, there's some there's some fan universe creation going on out there, putting all of the Pixar movies uh, together in one. And and they set the, the Incredibles um, in sort of the 1950s, 1960s. I think it is really set there, but it's a definitely an alternate universe. What's alternative about it? Oh, it's got all sorts of um, fun stuff in it, like superheroes. We didn't, last time <laughs> yes. I was in the 50s and 60s, we didn't have people who could stretch like, like, um, like, like, like the, the main female character can and things like that. And what's, what's the situation with energy in this alternate 50s and 60s? Well, are, are you asking specifically about the zero-point energy? Or actually, what, or they, what do they get most of their energy from? Do they use oil? back in this alternate 50s and 60s, or are they developing something else? They certainly use lots of energy. And as I said, there's a whole kind of fan fiction storyline creation around how they how they use things. And there's one in particular, um, if, you, if you look at uh, pixartheory.com, this is a, a particularly well thought out one. Too much garbage in your face? There's plenty of space out in space. B&L Starliners leaving each day. We'll clean up the mess while you're away. They talk about things like um, the dinosaurs not dying out as quickly, so maybe there's not as much oil, and so the, the oil-based economy isn't there. But since, you know, WALL-E occurs later, that's another movie in the Pixar um, series, when, when humans have done bad things to the planet, um, you know, that's part of the storyline there as well. And they shot through in WALL-E and just left WALL-E behind, yeah. Yeah, poor WALL-E. Yeah, although there was a tying up of loose ends in that one, which I won't go into right now. So zero point energy is energy which comes from what? It's a really fascinating idea. It turns out zero point energy is a quantum phenomenon. So Syndrome uses it like it's kind of a, a, a freezing laser beam. He, he says, you know, I've, I've got zero point energy, ha ha ha. And he freezes the Incredibles in place in whatever pattern they're in. So whatever, whatever, um, you know, shape and expression and all of that, and they're all just frozen and he can kind of pick them up off the ground and move them around a bit like laser tweezers, right? But zero point energy is a real thing. Um, so if you think about classical mechanics, so the, the macroscopic world, I can take a ball in a spring and I can, I can make the ball go completely still. And so it's not oscillating at all against the spring, right? There's no, there's no motion. And the third law of thermodynamics, which is a classical kind of idea, says that the entropy of a system approaches zero as the temperature approaches zero. And so the idea is that classically, you can actually stop things completely. But quantum mechanically, you can't do that. So the Heisenberg uncertainty principle tells us that you can't know the position and the momentum or the, the, the motion of, of a particle exactly precisely. So that means we can't stop anything and say that we know where it is. And so zero point energy is essentially a kind of residual energy that's left in particles that just has, it, so it just exists. And what it means is that, that even if we were to be able to take, say, a glass of water down to absolute zero temperature, that the atoms in that glass of water would still be moving, jiggling a lot all the time. Which makes sense to me. I mean, most of, of the things in the room here where I'm speaking to you, well, as far as I can tell, they're not moving. There's a table, 
It's quite solid. I've got a cup of coffee. Now there's liquid in the coffee, so that's moving. When water is frozen, I'm assuming it's the same. I mean, it's solid, but that doesn't mean the atoms have stopped moving. So I'm not quite sure. Can you actually get water down to what's zero degrees Kelvin is the coldest anything can get? Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's absolute zero. And in that point, is would the atoms in that glass of water at zero degrees Kelvin not be moving anymore, but or would they still be moving? Would they still be jiggling No, they around? would definitely be moving. So if you talk to uh, someone who's a chemist or a chemical physicist about zero-point energy, they almost all the time think about it in terms of a vibrational zero-point energy. So water has three vibrational moments, you know, motions. If, if you imagine that your, your sternum, your chest bone is oxygen and your two hands are hydrogens, if you move your hands back and forth out in an angle um, in the same pattern, so um, both going out at the same time and coming back, that's called a symmetric stretching motion. Yep, doing that ha- right now. If you now. have one going out, yeah, I call it the water dance. You have one going out <laughs> and the other coming back in, yep. then you're doing an anti-symmetric stretch. Yep. But if you bend them together, so you bring your fists sort of together, that's called a bend. And so every water molecule in your glass of water or your cup of coffee right now, or in your body for that matter, is doing that water dance all the time. If you do bring that glass of water or your body, which you should never do, down to absolute zero, then there's actually a little bit of energy in each one of those vibrations left. So you will never be able to stop the atoms in a, in a glass of water from moving. Is that energy the energy of quantum physics? Is it yes. the energy of the uncertainty it is, principle where, the, where it, we it, cannot be absolutely certain where a particle is at any point in time? We can get as exactly good as an right. either or, but that's it. After that... That's right. And so it is, it's that energy. And, and when you're thinking about molecular vibrations, they really do behave as kind of quantized balls and springs. So you can kind of think of them that way, except that if you're, if you're using classical equations, those balls and springs can come absolutely still, but in the quantum world, they can't. So in real life, which is, you know, the quantum world, Mm -hmm. um, you'll never be able to make those atoms stand still. They'll never, ever, ever stand still. But in The Incredibles, in the Pixar universe, is that happening? Is that what zero-point energy is? Is it the ability of the bad guy to actually freeze things even in a quantum way? I think in The Incredibles, Syndrome has supposedly figured out how to harness that zero-point energy and control it. And so he uses it as if it's a a laser beam coming out of a gauntlet. Um, And I think he's not just using vibrational zero point energy. So vibrations only happen when you've got more than one atom in there, right? Mm. But atoms have zero point energy of their own. And and perhaps the weirdest thing, um, and now we're straying really into into hardcore physics, is that we often end up there. Kaitha, it's all right. It's it's not one of my areas of particular expertise. Like I don't do research in this <laughs> it's not area. Not mine either. <laughs> oh, good. So we can make it up as we yeah. can. So the vacuum, just empty space, what we think of as empty space, actually has zero point energy. And this is where this kind of underpins quantum field theory. So I think he's harnessing all of that. Now that makes sense to me. If there's nothing there, then there's nothing to vibrate. I still don't quite understand how you could then use that, these properties to to turn a ray or something on the incredible family and 
put them in a suspended animated state or a state of yeah, suspended so animation. I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. So I think if it, the idea of being able to harness zero point energy, that's where we stray definitely into fiction. Although one of the things that excited me when I was a very new um, scientist, sort of a graduate student learning some fundamental physics, was a paper I ran across. It turns out it's by one of my colleagues in the physics department here, um, although I didn't know that at the time. I was studying in the US, so it's one of those strange coincidences. Uh, his name's Howard Carmichael, and he was looking at figuring out how to move, essentially move energy from one type of of the field to another. It's called a, a quadrature. So it's a way to move the fluctuations that you get, those quantum fluctuations, which are the zero point energy, out of the area that you're measuring so that the measurement that you're making has less noise in it. And, and then the part that you're not measuring has more noise in it. It's called squeezing light. And it's really exciting. So, so you can you can kind of manipulate um, this zero point energy to some degree. Uh, but as far as I know, no one's ever been able to kind of, you know, create a weapon out of it. We have been able to measure it. I say we loosely. I haven't done it myself. Squeezing light. Is that yeah, another form cool. of optical tweezer? Uh, no, it's a bit different. Um, it's more about, um, well, now we're really straying into areas that I'm not an expert in. Um, it's more about um, thinking about different components of light different components in the way you would write it down on a, on a piece of paper, right? And, and then um, flattening out one, which amplifies the noise in another. It's a bit like, um, have you ever seen one of those squeezy dolls where you squeeze it and its eyeballs pop oh, out? Oh, yeah. And then you, yeah, yeah. So think of it a bit like that, except you're doing it to light and you're doing it mathematically. So you might um, squeeze so that one frequency you squeeze it and, and that light then emerges or, or moves to another part of its frequency. So you might squeeze this light beam and get more of, of one part of the spectrum rather than another. It's more like you're squeezing the, so, so if you think about um, measuring the intensity of a light beam, okay? So you can measure it in a number of ways uh, and, and, and you get noise fluctuations on top of that intensity. Okay, so imagine that you could squeeze the noise out of one part and put the noise into another. And so it's not so much changing the frequency, it's changing how precise you are in measuring that frequency. Which sounds like something which happens more on paper than in practice. You can do it in practice, um, but, it, but it's quite challenging. You know, it requires um, looking at phase relationships and things like that. We were talking about quantum mechanics in another edition of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact and its relationship with the multiverse, the possibility of a multiverse, and this being one explanation for the uncertainty that we experience when we're trying to look at subatomic particles um, and they're either there or not there. So the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is, well, it's either or. And then other scientists saying, "Well, it can't be either, or it's got to be. It's got to be going somewhere. If we can't see it, but we see it leave, but we don't see it arrive, and and maybe it's going one and a half of that quantum particles going into another universe, forming a new universe. And I'm just wondering about this in reverse. What if the bad guy? What if syndrome is actually getting energy 
quantum energy that's coming from somewhere else, from some other quantum interaction of particles. He's either getting it from somewhere else or the other possibility I was wondering, because what he, he effectively does is he, he does stop whatever he's pointing at with his fingers, you know, this gauntlet. I wondered if he was extracting the zero point energy from what he's pointing at. Like if you, if you could extract the zero point energy from your glass of water, then it would be possible to make it stay completely still. All the atoms would go completely still. So he's either pulling that energy from somewhere else or, or he's pulling it directly from the Incredibles, in this case, themselves. In other words, he's stopping the quantum activity that's going on. And that quantum activity is happening all the time with us, isn't it? Yes. And that could be one. See, the only way at the moment you could freeze somebody is to actually, what, chill them very rapidly. That would be the quickest and is perhaps the only way to do it. You'd have to just make them very, very, very cold very quickly. So you'd have to send some kind of beam or, or something that froze them. Maybe would he would send a, a beam of some sort of really, really cold gas in their direction and that would freeze them. Well, now you're talking about another Incredibles character named Frozone, whose superpower <laughs> is to do that. So he's a friend of Mr. Incredible, um, uh, and uh, and he freezes things. So he does exactly what you're describing. He he points his finger, and the things whatever he's pointing at freeze solid. So that could be um, you know water or or you know people buildings all sorts of stuff he freezes the omnidroid which is the artificial intelligent bot that is attacking them um, i think what i think what syndrome is doing more is is he's controlling energy flow so he's controlling the flow of energy in and out of the incredibles um, whereas frozone is simply cooling them down so the flow is only going in one direction if i was to have the quantum energy removed from me and it put me in a state of suspended animation, would my macroscopic temperature remain the same? Right. So, um, no, it wouldn't. But right now you're sitting at room temperature. Yep. And, and yes, you're a macroscopic object, but you're made up of lots of microscopic objects and they're all moving and wiggling all the time. And there's a considerable amount of energy in that motion and wiggling that, that means that if I were to calculate your temperature by looking at all of the motions of all of those particles, I would get something that says room temperature, right? Because you're in equilibrium with, well, you're not in equilibrium with your environment because you're, you're, you know, you're a mammal, but, but, and you're not room temperature either. So you're, you're, I hope, unless you're in a very warm room, you're at body temperature, right? Yeah, I'm comfortable right now. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if I were to simply extract only your zero point energy, I would be taking a fraction of that energy out. It would be a significant fraction, but not, but not all of it. It wouldn't be 50% or anything. So yes, your temperature would drop. But in order to make you drop to absolute zero, I would have to extract all of the energy. And so I would have to take everything. I would have to take um, all of your vibrational energy, your translational energy, and all the rotational energy and all the particles in your system as well. Is there any and other way of doing that? Than just cooling you down? Yes. Ooh, that's a really good question. 
Say, say if I was right next to a vacuum, wouldn't, or you could create a vacuum right there, wouldn't all the energy in me want to fill the vacuum? You would certainly radiate your energy into the vacuum. That's absolutely true. But in some ways, that's, I guess it's just the different mechanism for getting rid of your energy. Because if you're standing next to an ice block, your body is also doing some radiation all the time, but there it would be much more about um, convection and conduction. If you're in a vacuum, you're not in, in a true vacuum, then you're not touching anything else. And so almost the only way you can get rid of energy or absorb energy in a vacuum is through interacting with that field. And so you're either going to be, if you're at a higher temperature than the vacuum, you're going to radiate that energy out. And if, if, if you're not in a quantum world, you're, you're getting zero point energy coming in and out all the time because the vacuum has its own energy. So there isn't something, some substance, because I guess I'm thinking about this in terms of, of an electrical current for a moment. And I'm thinking, what if there was something that attached to me and it just took all the energy out of me? Is that in any way plausible? Uh oh, oh, come on, no, 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 come on, hey, 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 the thing is moving. I don't like big, moving things that are moving towards me. No, come on, hey, Randall. Say hello to the scream extractor. Hello. Come on, where you going? We'll, we'll talk, come on, we'll have a latte. Come on, we can talk about this. What is that thing? Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Uh oh, no. Oh, hey. Help, help, help. So there's another Pixar movie um, <laughs> <laughs> called Monsters Incorporated. Have you seen that one? Monsters Inc. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's from, from quite a while ago. Yeah. Yes, it, it, yeah. Do you remember the device that they use essentially to extract scream from people? Uh, so it's another fictional one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there they're using scream as their energy source. And they, they have a device that can um, essentially suck scream out of people through right. their mouths, yes. um, which is not very nice. And we don't it, do that. Then it drives the, the parallel Monsters, Inc. universe, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It drives that universe. Yeah. And, and, and so... Um, we don't do that. In the end, of course, they find that laughter is a better source of energy. Um, but I, I'm trying to think. I can't think of because because that's another imaginary thing. Real. Anything in the real yeah, world. Yeah, I can't that think of anything. That. I can't think of, that, of anything that's real. I mean, of course, you you're there. There are processes going on all the time in your body because you're a living organism, and so one of the reasons that your temperature is above room temperature is because you've got things going on yeah. in your body all the time. Chemical yeah, reactions all over the heat. place. Yeah, 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 all of that sort of stuff. And so, you know, in some sense, and I'm not advocating that we do this in any way, shape or form, but in some sense, killing an organism is one way to remove energy from it. Essentially, you just remove its ability to generate energy and its overall energetic state drops until it's in equilibrium with its surroundings. But that's that's not very fun. You wouldn't see that in a Pixar movie. <laughs> no. Well, maybe you would. No, I, I mean, there are lots of other sci-fi movies where people get killed all over the place. But that's true. Getting back to that quantum energy that mm. we have and extracting that, just the quantum energy, 
and it's putting the lack of that have, having that energy no longer there in say in me in my body mm-hmm. might put mm-hmm. me into a state of suspended animation but is there anything mm. in the real world is that possible that you could do that one day so this is the place where um, I think we're now talking about um, physics right at the at the front so the idea that there is zero point energy and that and that the vacuum in particular has zero point energy is a really important physics concept the question of the effects of that and whether it can be used for anything i think is where we're straying out of science and into fiction you can measure zero point energy so for example if you take two conductors so let's say we have two mirrors and we we face them at each other in a vacuum you're creating essentially a cavity right between the two mirrors and if you get them close enough together even if it's in a vacuum they attract one another which is a really kind of counterintuitive idea you know why you've got these two objects all they're doing is reflecting the vacuum field back and forth and that's a a, a measurable thing um, it's called the casimir effect um, and so we know that this zero point energy exists in, and, and that in, that attraction of two mirrors to each other in a vacuum is explained and can be predicted by quantum mechanical theory physics yes yes definitely and there are other ones as well but when you start thinking about you know the inf- the effect on i don't know cosmic inflation or something you know that's where i think um the idea that um quantum fluctuations these vacuum fluctuations play a big role is still i think it's still under a bit of debate and whether we would ever be able to create a pair of gauntlets or, or, or even a huge machine that could harness zero point energy is a huge question if all the zero point energy in me was extracted from me would it kill me what would happen to me if i didn't have it what would happen to the molecules in my body and would you ever be able to put that energy back in again so if we were able to extract all of the energy from the molecules and atoms in your body so that they all went completely still so we would now be in a non-quantum universe yes you would be at absolute zero temperature and you would not be able to do any of the chemical reactions that make you think that make you feel that make you sweat that make you digest things any of that stuff because all of your molecules if we were extracting all of that energy it would all be absolutely still but would it damage it my tissue it would be the end of you yeah uh so let's see since we're in a fictional world i can come up with a fictional answer yes i think my view is that if we were able to extract all of that energy so that's all of your room temperature energy plus your zero point energy all of that and we made everything still about you as long as we didn't touch anything so we didn't go in and rearrange any of the atoms we didn't let you fall out of your chair and you know shatter on the floor or anything like that if we left you the way you were and then we put that energy back i think you would come back without even noticing that you had been gone 
What if we just extracted the zero point energy and didn't if actually, we extracted and didn't take the macroscopic energy in my body away? If we extracted the zero point energy, you probably would not be very healthy. So all your atoms and molecules would continue to vibrate, but we would be removing enough energy at your your body temperature would drop enough that you would probably be ill. That's my hypothesis. I'd have to do that calculation um, to be sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what it would be like. But if my atoms were vibrating, but now you've it's, you've taken away the ability for them to do all those that, that those quantum relationships that happen all the time, that doesn't sound very healthy. Well, maybe I misunderstood your question. So I was thinking about it in terms of the zero point energy as a quantity of energy. So I know, for example, that the zero point energy of water of one water molecule, you know, if I'm talking about the vibrational zero point energy. It's about, oh, 10 to the minus 20th joules. So that's tiny. But you think about how many water molecules there are, and you start to get to quite respectable energies. It's still tiny relative to the total amount of energy in you. So I was thinking about it more from the standpoint of if I remove that energy, all of them without changing quantum mechanics, so I'm just pulling out a, a zero point energy's worth of energy out of your body, then all of the other particles would essentially rattle down until they were just at a lower temperature. And so you, you would essentially equilibrate at a lower temperature. But if we removed the, the idea that you could have zero point energy, so if we removed quantum mechanics from you and zero point energy arises from quantum mechanics, um, then you would be in serious trouble because so uh, virtually all of the processes that occur in your body are, are quantum at their core. I, I don't know that you would even be able to form bonds without quantum mechanics. It still blows my mind, Katha, that our existence appears to be a game of, of chance. A yes or a no, a plus or a minus. It either is or it isn't. These quantum relationships are happening all the time, and that's why we are here. You know what blows my mind, Brian? So that's a story we tell ourselves. So we're the ones that invented quantum mechanics. We invented classical mechanics. This is the way that humans study the world around them and how it works. And so in some sense, when we're describing quantum mechanics and how these microscopic things that we can't see very well, if at all behave, we're trying to understand how they behave. And so, we're creating the story of quantum mechanics as we're discovering it. Does that make sense? It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of our description. And in the same way that if you described an elephant and I described an elephant, they would certainly be different. It's entirely possible that had we come up with a different way to think about forces than say F equals MA, or, or a different way to think about uh, interference between waves, for example, that we would have a different way that we think about quantum mechanics. I'm not saying the phenomenon isn't real, but certainly the way we describe it and the way we think about it is incredibly human. There is one thing, though. Whatever we are trying to describe, the formula that we put in place to explain what goes on, we can use that to predict what will happen, and we get it right. So we don't know entirely what's going on, but we know enough to be able to predict 
how certain things will behave and build things around that, which we can rely upon. Absolutely. Yep. And that's the difference between science and faith, I think. Science and faith? So, sure. Because our story, our story, our science story, the way we, that we've developed it, the mathematical formulation that we use to describe it or the, the laws that we derive to predict it, um, they do have a predictive power. And so we can always test um, whether our understanding of the universe, whether our story is right, and whether our approach to writing the story is right. There are all kinds of things, you know, littered through the history of the development of science. Phlogiston is a really good example of one, um, where our story about how things worked turned out not to be a very good story after all. And then we have to go back to the drawing pool again, don't we? Mm, yes. Luckily, we have um, creative geniuses at places like Pixar to help us stretch. See, getting back to the Pixar universe, it generally, well, almost always it turns out all right. And it's interesting you use the word faith there because I've sometimes thought about what God might be. And, and that I, although I'm pretty much an atheist, I don't think there's a, there's a big policeman or policewoman upstairs with a ledger that's going to make everything right for us when we die. or But I do think that you could argue that God exists in all those places where we can't explain or see things clearly. God exists maybe before the Big Bang. God exists in the uncertainty with which some quantum things behave. And our search to find answers is actually a almost a search for the divine? Um, I tend not to think of it that way because I, I am an atheist. There are parts of me that would like to think about it that way, um, especially as I get older, but I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with thinking about, that, about it that way. It just, it, it isn't science if you begin to think about divine as part of your framework of the universe because you can't you can't test and demonstrate divine what you can test and demonstrate is i don't understand and if you want to put god in the place of whatever god um, in the place of i don't understand well that's that's religion kathar it's been fascinating talking with you thanks so much for your time Likewise, thanks very much, Brian. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, hosted by me, Brian Crump, produced by Andrew Robertson, and of course, made possible thanks to the incredible knowledge of those brilliant scientists at the McDiarmid Institute. You can find more episodes of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on the RNZ podcast page. RNZ Podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or pretty much wherever you might find your podcasts. And make sure to follow us so you don't miss out on any new episodes. <laughs>